Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Trader Cobb Crypto Show. Today's guest, I have got out here from NEM. He's actually running the NEM Venture Fund. I've got Dave Hodgson, who's a co-founder and also the director of that fund. And I'm really looking forward to getting down into the nuts and bolts, not only the fund, but also into NEM Catapult and all things to do with last year and what's coming this year. So thank you so much for your time today, Dave. Thanks for having us, Greg. Mate, um, look, just before we kick off into uh, getting into some of the, the nitty gritty, what's your background, mate? Like, I mean, this is pretty interesting. I think everybody's had a pretty interesting step into this space. Well, what brought you into it and what were you doing prior to being involved in the blockchain and crypto asset space? Yes, it's, it's a reasonably varied background. Um, I left uni and went into technical consulting with various different ERP vendors, uh, systems integrators, KPMG-like organizations. Uh, after a few years doing that, went out independent and spent probably the best part of 10 years consulting in public cloud projects, yeah. um, ended up in the energy industry kind of by accident, kind of by design. Um, and having spent a few years in there, got involved with a, a company out of Ireland who were looking at peer-to-peer -peer energy trading. Um, as the architect and the CIO for that project, uh, we ended up doing an options analysis for blockchain. And from there, the love kind of spawned, I guess. Um, we selected NEM out of six or seven chains. The NEM guy said there was a couple of things that the ecosystem could do with uh, sorting out. So I jumped in. <laughs> <laughs> so basically you've been, uh, you've been hopscotching uh, from project to project until you found yourself landed here running the NEM Venture Fund, yeah? Uh, yeah, not far off. Yeah, bounced around the world a bit on the way. So. Well, mate, as long as you find your final destination, then that's good, wherever that may be. I'm not sure, but you seem to have been planted now uh, with the fund. So let's, let's go in a little bit about the fund. Um, a, how long has it been around for? And B, what are you looking to invest in? Yeah, so we incorporated formally in December. Um, basically, there was a community grant scheme prior to that, which ran for a couple of years um, and was there predominantly as a kind of Kickstarter for projects that just needed a little bit of seed funding to get going. Mm -hmm. um, the fund grew to a point that the volunteers who were running it um, were doing a fantastic job, but just there wasn't enough people and enough time to get through the amount of work that was there. So we decided to formalize it into the fund started it in December. Um, and yeah, we've been running for what, six, seven months now. Um, in terms of projects that we're looking for, uh, first and foremost, it has to be either building on them or enhanced the NEM ecosystem in some way. So we're funded by uh, community funds or reserved tokens that the community control. Um, and the mandate we have is to basically enhance the ecosystem and back projects that will do that. Um, and then after that, most of the time, the um, the requirements are pretty similar to traditional VCs or, or other investment funds. So we're looking for um, a cohesive vision that has the ability to scale, uh, a founding team that have credibility and have advisors around them that can help them out and have the energy, can explain the vision clearly to us um, in a way that we can understand and communicate to the community easily. And finally, it has to be commercially viable. So it's not a charity at the end of the day. We got finite funds and uh, in order to be able to keep on backing projects in the future, we need to make a commercial return off the ones that we invest in now. Um, so that, in a nutshell, that's what we're looking for. Yeah, okay. So before when you said, um, I mean, it started off as like volunteers working on, on the fund until it became more, um, I suppose, established. I mean, how, how's it been going? Because I mean, if you started it in December of last year, is that right? Yeah. So we started the process in September and we, we formally incorporated in December. Okay. And you've been, um, you've been allocating funds fairly actively throughout 2019 or has it been sort of, I mean, obviously with any venture fund, you, you know, you might look at 500 projects and pick two. I mean, is it sort of like that in your world at the moment as well or? 
Yeah, it is a bit. So we've gone through, uh, must be about 70 proposals now, I would think. Um, we've written three tickets right now and a fourth one that's going to be announced very imminently. Yeah. Um, fairly decent variety in the types of projects that we've backed so far. I say we, we are actively writing tickets. Um, and so far, we've had a fairly high quality of projects that have come through. So we've probably backed slightly more than, than some traditional VCs. Yep. But the uh, the requirements are still pretty stringent. So we're still sitting at, what's that, maybe 5%, something like that. Oh, what, 5% um, of invested? Of proposals that have been backed. Oh, okay, right. Got you, got you, got you. Well, that's a pretty bloody high hit rate, to be fair. That's a uh, that's a lot higher than a lot of VC funds. So uh, yeah. definitely be knocking yeah, on your door looking, later. Be, <laughs> oh, because the, uh, the projects have to be focused on them and therefore yeah. they have to have done a little bit more than yeah. maybe some other VCs might receive. I think probably some of the projects are just a little bit further along. Well, that's but, really uh, good yeah, to but hear. It, it, because a lot of a lot of projects, uh, you know, I mean, we saw it in 2017, and, and a big wake up lesson, a wake up call for, for many people is that, um, you know, throwing darts at a board doesn't make you wealthy all the time. It does when you hit the bullseye every time. Uh, and in 2017, that bullseye was very, very big. It was the whole freaking dartboard. Um, yeah. Now the dartboard's gone back to being a dartboard, and uh, to hit triple twenty or to hit the bullseye, it's pretty bloody tough, uh, which requires some strategy, some structure, some learnings. Now, with your background coming from I guess tech, uh, you know, energy sector, uh, and then into, of course, you know, now you're in, you know, you, I mean, the the architecture. You say now you're running a VC. I mean, what sort of a team does it take to get somebody? I mean, it's, it's a fairly interesting progression and a fairly fast rate of knots, I'd say, um, as as far as from from yay to you know heading up and running a VC firm. What are some of the lessons that you've learned, and, and who have you got in the team, or you know, who have you got supporting you to make sure that? I guess you don't stick your toe in the wall and it doesn't come out. Yeah, that's a good question. So we, um, when we put the proposal together, um, with my background, I naturally sit generally between the tech and the business teams within any kind of program or project. So I'm used to sitting down with the C-suite guys and explaining business cases and helping write business cases. Um, but at the same time, I'm used to translating to the technical teams as well, what that means and vice versa. Um, so when we put this team together, we have one of the guys on the team, Caitlin O'Donnell, who has been involved with them since day one. He wrote some of the, the early code for the SDKs. He was a founding member of the foundation. He's one of those guys who's just been around the ecosystem for a long time and is very heavily technical. So he brings the NEM tech background to the team. Uh, and then on the other side, we have Dave Mansell, who is a much more structured program management uh, and investment analyst background. And then we have a couple of advisors who are far more heavyweight. Um, Ian Wilson is 25, 30 years uh, fixed income and derivatives trading and angel investing. And similarly, we have uh, David Shaw, the chairman of the investment committee, ex-CEO of Cable and Wireless out of the Caribbean, ran a VC fund out of, uh, I think it was Bermuda from memory. Um, so we have a pretty good mix across the team and it's still a fairly small team as well so we can overlap with each other nice and easily well that makes sense so you've got some big big shots in there doing their thing so okay that's got a, that's we'll come back to the fund if, if there's more that we've got to bring up but i wanted to ask a couple of questions about NAM. now i know that you might not be able to answer all of them but you know we just can have a conversation about this because i do have some burning burning questions and i want some answers okay i want to know yeah. what's going on so first question um in regards to them how did it almost kill itself? Uh, in what regards? <laughs> well, we saw last year we saw in, in relation to the stories earlier this year. 
Yeah, yeah. Okay. So we saw, yeah. was it last year? I think it was that NEM came out saying they needed to raise another $7.5 million or whatever it was because of blah, blah, blah. They were going to lay off a bunch of stuff. It seemed to be coming in. It started to implode on itself quite a bit. And there was a whole bunch of people talking out there about that from, you know, a, a token that was what top 10 easy top four, I think it got to at one stage yeah. and, and how all of a sudden they've got the hat out and they're sort of shaking it going, please help me, please help me. It doesn't seem very responsible. Can you talk to that? Why it happened and, and well, just why it happened, how it happened. How, how do yeah, you yeah, let for that sure. happen? So there's a couple of things before I get into it. Um, it was actually the NEM Foundation rather than NEM as the, the NEM Foundation. project. There you go. Let's hit that so one. So the NEM project has reserved tokens to the extent of something like $300 million, give or take, depending on what the market's doing. It was never broke. Um, but the uh, way that the story broke, unfortunately, didn't make that difference. So the foundation was founded back in late 2016. It was given a two-year budget, which takes it up to the end of 2018. So funnily enough, it was about time to get a new budget, new council. Um, the, unfortunately, the way the news broke when that information came out was that the foundations broke, it's going bankrupt, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the truth is it's not really what was happening. The new council took over. There was a bunch of changes that needed to be made. They've made those changes. They've gone to the community to request an allocation of the reserve tokens for the, the next budget. Yep. And it was granted with an overwhelming majority. Unfortunately, the news was actually corrected in the original story, but by that point, it syndicated so much that, yeah, you were never going to get that one back in the can. <laughs> right. So, so what you're saying is that it was basically a bit of a spin that, um, you know, the news decided to take the story where they wanted it taken. Uh, and it went along that sort of road. But I mean, th there is one thing here. I think it was, uh, what's it, Long, Long Wong uh, yep. said... We've reduced marketing activities. Oh no, sorry, wrong, wrong, wrong quote. Basically, we realised we had a month to operate due to mismanagement of the previous governance council. So, if it was all on time and it was all correct and it was all just oh, it's just a matter of coming up to you know releasing more tokens, then why is there a comment like that that says that there was mismanagement by the governance council and that's coming from someone within within them? What are they talking to there? Um, yes, I don't have much more detail on that than you guys do. Um, we're two okay. completely separate entities, so I, I don't really know what gets discussed inside the council meetings beyond what gets made public. Um, I know that based on the restructure that was done and the change in focus in the foundation, that when the new council took over, they deemed that unsustainable and they decided to take it in a different direction. Um, obviously, it was also smack in the middle of the bear. So, yeah. Um, any funds that were sitting there probably six months prior would have been worth less at that stage. So it's possible that that would have had, had an impact on it as well. But as I say, it's, it's not something that I really am privy to. No, that's okay, man. Look, I suppose that it's, if somebody walks out and somebody new walks in, the easiest thing to do, it's, it's almost, it's, a, you know, I, it's not really a cop out, I suppose. It, it, it's just the truth. And the truth is, you know, coming in and saying, look, the governance before wasn't very good. That's why I'm here. I am good. I'm going to take care of things, blame them. We're going to make it better. Um, I get that strategy. Um, I get that trying to shore up and sort of let people know that I'm here and I'm going to help, help out and it's much better now. Um, but it did. I mean, that, 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 I've read through a lot of it, right? And that one quote, it's like, hang on, that, that's an admission from within. That there was something not right there um, that the public found out about. Uh, which is good. It's a good thing. I, I think it's wonderful that we find out about these things to help us make our decisions. But I just wanted to know if there was, if there was anything internal there uh, that you could go into. Obviously not. That's fair enough. 
Now we're talking. No, I, mean, I, talk- I could could probably get Alex to come and and do a second follow up interview if you like, Greg. Then oh, he's still there. Get into it more then. Alex Tinsman. Uh, yeah, Alexandra Tinsman. She. Yeah, cool, cool. Look, yeah. I mean, I'm, it's not so much of a big deal. I just wanted to sort of touch on that, see if you had some information. I want to talk about Catapult. Because, uh, again, that, I mean, that was meant to come out last year, wasn't it? Uh, there was never a, a firm delivery date. Oh, on, it was just a rumoured, one of those rumours. Uh, yeah, the there was a lot of speculation, and then it got picked up as a firm date. But the, the core devs never actually gave a target date for it. Um, oh. and then, so when, when are we going to yeah. see it? Uh, so it's due to come out uh, late Q3 as private chain release, open source, and then we're looking at exactly. <laughs> yep. So the the Nim Foundation, when they, when Alex took over, gave a roadmap at the start of the year, um, Q3. <laughs> Q4 is the target date for the public chain release. Obviously, there's a bunch of migration planning and exchange work that needs to go on with that mm. kind of stuff. So the current plan is is late to 2019, um, subject to a bunch of prep work that needs to happen. And, and what's what's going to happen then? I mean, what what when when Nem sort of um, I guess births another seed uh, comes out sorry comes out of the seed again uh, as a as a brand new flower, um, what are we going to see from Nem? What's going to change? Um, I mean, what have we got to look forward to as businesses that are going to build on the chain uh, and as possible token holders? Yeah, so the the chain itself has basically all of the old features. So there's a bunch of features in there that still don't exist today on other chains. It's been running since 2015. There's no reason to kind of change the stuff that's working. Um, there's a, several new features and functions that are coming in. Some of those are publicly known already, uh, and some of them are still being developed and, and refined um, even at this stage. So uh, we are looking at supporting security tokens on chain, and there's various features and functions that would allow that. So things like whitelisting, which accounts um, tokens can move to, uh, being able to tag accounts with metadata, being able to tag assets with metadata, so things like uh, this AML vendor has denoted that that account has passed KYC and is an accredited investor, for example, if you're in the US. That type of functionality is coming. Uh, we're planning to work in with the Verified Token Framework, which was written by Techie out of New Zealand um, and is a cross-chain approach to security tokens. So obviously most chains now are looking at the security token side. I personally think we're a bit ahead of several of them in terms of the dev because we're due to, to come out in a few months with it. Um, following on from that, there is also atomic swaps between our private chain and our public chain, but also any NEM chain and Ethereum or Bitcoin. Um, so that allows you effectively to move information or transactions cross-chain, um, and particularly for enterprises that may not necessarily want all the data on a public chain, but might want to reconcile some of the data publicly. They may well be running a private chain internally. Uh, NEM is one of the few chains that supports both those models and the ability to move data between the two fairly easily. Um, so I would expect that to spawn a bunch of use cases that I probably haven't even thought of yet, to be honest. It's uh, it's kind of cutting edge and there's only a couple of the chains that are looking at it to my knowledge. Um, what else do we have in there? We've got a concept of aggregate transactions, which for the guys from the Ethereum background are probably a little bit more similar to smart contracts. So you can wrap up, mm-hmm. I think it's up to 25 transactions that stack one on top of each other. Yep all of those transactions have to complete in order for the, the contract to close effectively or the money get, or the funds get redistributed back to whoever sent them. What that allows you to do if you're a, an app developer is kind of hide the blockchain if you like. So obviously if you're making a transaction on the protocol, you usually need the native coin of that protocol to pay the transaction fee. If you wrap that up in an atomic transaction where you pay the fee on behalf of your user, 
the user doesn't actually need to hold XEM at that stage to be able to make the transactions. So it just makes the, the whole UX a lot more Clean. seamless, basically. Yeah, pretty much. So there's several projects are, are getting very interested in that side. Um, it also opens up the ability for things like escrow, um, where you've got you know, two or three parties stacking yeah. transactions on top of each other. Um, again, I think probably the scenarios in that one, I might be struggling to imagine all of the permutations of that because projects will get creative with it. Um, and then the last two that spring to mind uh, on the spot are smart contract plugins. So if you run a, a private chain, the, the framework that Catapult's been built with allows you to import new transaction types into the chain. So um, I know you might want anonymous transactions on your private chain, for example, it's not something we support on public chain. You can just drop those plugins into your various different nodes on your private chain and that'll then be supported. Um, the intention is with it being an open source project that if enough companies start building those plugins, the community will be able to effectively import the, the most useful ones back into the public chain or even into a marketplace of some kind, like an app store for your phone. Um, so essentially when you spin up a private chain, you then might then be able to go and pick, I don't know, the top 10 transaction types for FinTech, for example. Um, and finally, yeah, we've extended the multi-signature technology that we have already on chain. So right now you can do 64 signatories on a single account. Um, that will now expand out to be multi-level in addition to uh, the 64 on one account. So that lets you model out things like delegated financial authority for a non-enterprise, for example, that comes down from the C-suite. Helps you with things like succession planning or wills, um, you know, the execution of estates effectively. Um, and just, uh, you know, avoiding losing the, the keys effectively. <laughs> yeah, well, that's uh, <laughs> Yeah, and we have a couple of things coming for the exchanges as well, which um, should make custodial services a bit simpler for them, basically. So the um, it's possible to configure an account to only be able to send uh, tokens to a predefined list of other accounts uh, and then send a transaction that says, yeah, exactly, but then send a transaction that says lock that config and unless I tell you with my multi-factor auth to unlock it, then you can't unlock it. And mm. that can be protected even further with multi-sig. So for exchanges, for example, they might use that to say, my cold wallet can only send to two or three hot wallets and yeah. then lock that config. Then they've got their usual operational security controls in the background as a custodian okay. to say, like, don't add any more hot wallets, like a hacker's wallet, for example. Mm. Um, yeah, so there's a, there's quite a lot of features actually in there. and. Uh, whenever I try and answer that question, I always miss a couple. So <laughs> there'll be a couple more coming. Mate, get this man a towel. He has been hard at work, <laughs> sweating like a beaver. I don't know if beavers sweat, but you know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, um, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. Now, just to recap, I mean, let's, let's, let's talk to, uh, to what's going on. You're well-funded. The foundation seems to be fine. There's a couple of gray areas around who's saying what, why, and when. So there's a little bit there. Uh, you've got Catapult coming out uh, Q3, released to the public Q4. Um, a lot going on within the venture fund, as in looking for projects. You're well-funded. You're doing well. You've come through the darkness of 2018. And uh, Catapult, obviously, there is 16 million things that it's doing. So all in all, um, it sounds like it's pretty healthy there. You're all very bloody busy. Um, of course, you're not in there. You know, you're running the venture fund or part of running that venture fund. So I can understand that you're not going to have all the detail about everything else. I, I, I totally understand that. Uh, I had to ask the questions. I love to ask these questions. These are the questions that we want to know the answers to. Um, yeah. So thank you so much for your time, Dave. I really appreciate it. I know it's uh, probably quite late there over in uh, Scotland. So uh, you have a wonderful evening. And thank you again. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. 
Oh, thanks for speaking to us, Craig. We're always happy to come back on if you want any clarification or anything as well. Good on you, mate. Ladies and gentlemen, have a fantastic awesome. day. Bye for now. Cheers, man.